Luke chapter 22, and we are in uh, a portion of scripture on the Lord's Supper. And uh, we'll be observing the supper this morning. And I uh, just want to share that uh, as in every time we do the supper, we uh, take a benevolence offering. And that uh, benevolence offering is goes to meet the needs of uh, folks that are hurting in our church family primarily. And our deacons have been very active in this ministry. So I want to just encourage you to give and give generously. And uh, any loose, loose change in the envelope or in the plate this morning will go to the Benevolence um, uh, Fund. And if you want to write a check, I encourage you to do that. Make sure that you mark that on the outside of your envelope. But uh, we're looking at the Passover and the Lord's Supper. Um, when we read the Old Testament, book of Exodus, and uh, the children of Israel leaving Egypt, uh, the most important, most famous story in all the Old Testament, the most important story to the Jews is the Exodus story. And Jesus, or God, told Israel to remember this Exodus through the Passover. And, uh, and so the Jews haven't always been faithful at remembering that story. Um, if you uh, read the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 5, uh, that's the last time that the Passover is mentioned in the Old Testament until 2 Kings chapter 23. Uh, Israel went through a very dark period of time of history. Uh, they had, uh, they had um, poor judges. They had, uh, they had evil kings. And they worshipped other idols. And uh, they neglected the Passover. And there's a period of about 400 years where Israel... Uh, there's no indication that they observed uh, Passover. Can you imagine that? That's like Christians today um, forgetting about Easter or Christmas, something that was so central, so important to their identity as Jews, they had completely neglected or forgotten. But uh, there was there was a time um, after as Josiah instituted the the the, Lord, the Passover again that uh, the nation of Israel were faithful in observing that and in the days of Jesus Passover is very important to the Jews. Now we're coming to the conclusion of Jesus's ministry. This is the last. Uh, this is the last. Um, full day of his life. Um, Passover is going to uh, take place beginning at sundown. And uh, there's preparation taking place in this passage of scripture. And there is the observance of the Passover. And in this passage of scripture, we are going to see Jesus close this Old Testament gospel story regarding the, the Passover, and he is going to transpose uh, this very important um, reminder, remembrance, uh, into something that's going to be uh, perfect and eternal. It is meant for us 
as followers of Jesus Christ. So let's begin with uh, verses uh, 7 through 13 of Luke 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread. And that was Thursday, this Thursday. And on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare, prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Uh, before we continue, I want to just point out uh, quickly and first, once again, that Jesus is in charge in control of every detail of his life. Jesus knows what is to take place in Jerusalem. Jesus knows where this upper room is. And he tells Peter and John, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Now you have to understand, Jerusalem is packed full of people right now. It's kind of like uh, the community of Mammoth in the middle of winter after a great snow day. Everybody comes into the community. This is Passover. And so Jews from all around are coming to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is packed full. And he tells Peter and John, I want you to go into Jerusalem and I want you to find somebody who's carrying a jar of water and follow him to the house. Now, that is a bit obscure. Why is Jesus being so secretive about where Peter and John is supposed to go? Why couldn't he just give them the address? Well, Jesus knows that there's a mole in the group. And we looked at that last week in the person of Judas. He knows that Judas has sold Jesus out. And so Jesus doesn't want to let Judas know where this supper is going to occur because he doesn't want that interrupted. And so he tells Peter and John, look for a man carrying a jar. Now, a man carrying a jar in this day and age uh, is going to... Um, be a bit different because men didn't carry jars of water. That was the women's jar job. The men carried skins. And so Peter and John is looking for this man carrying a jar. And what do you know? They find this man carrying a jar and they follow him to this, his home and ask the question. Yep. It's right up here. Folks, Jesus is in control of every detail here in this passage of scripture, as well as your own personal life. You know, think about the time you came to Ridgecrest. Did God give you every detail of what was to occur when you came to Ridgecrest? Probably not. He probably just wanted you to trust him. Jesus is asking Peter and John, trust me in this. You will find this person. 
And there's oftentimes, friends, when Jesus, we, we have this impression that God wants to do a certain thing or go a certain place. And he doesn't give us all the details. He wants us to trust him all along the way. And I'm sure that's going to create a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety in your heart. But know that God is in control of every single detail. God has my son on a journey right now. You, Many of you know Kyle. God, God's called Kyle to... to uh, eventually plant a church in the Anglican uh, denomination. Uh, and and uh, Kyle believes that uh, this church that God wants him to plant is in the city of San Francisco. Well, before he can get to San Francisco, the denomination wants him to serve in San Jose. And three and a half weeks ago, we said goodbye to Kyle. Kyle was very anxious he didn't know what to expect. He had a place to stay. He's staying with Andrew Chow's family right now for a period of time. But Kyle didn't know what the church is going to ask him to do. In fact, it's only been today that he's met the senior pastor. The senior pastor has been on sabbatical. But he's been in San Jose for three and a half weeks and still looking for a job. But God's in control of every detail of Kyle's life. Just as he's in control of every detail of Scott and Janet's life. As they continue to wait on the Lord for where their next ministry opportunity is going to be. And for uh, Karen Vesey's grandson. Is it Jonathan? Josh. Josh. Josh Josh is going up to Portland, Oregon. He doesn't know a soul in Portland, Oregon. But he just feels like that's where God is leading him. Church, God wants us to trust him. And he's not going to give us all the details. Jesus didn't give these these disciples all the details. But it all panned out just like God intended. So I want you to remember that. I need to remember that. Because it always doesn't go the way I planned it. But it's going the way God plans it. That's the first thing. Second thing is uh, beginning verse 15 or verse 14 through verse 20. And when the hour came, he reclined at a table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. 
Second thing I want us to see in this passage of Scripture before we observe the supper is that Jesus had anticipated this moment his entire life. Jesus says in verse 15, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Jesus has been thinking about this moment his entire life. And he couldn't wait to share it with his disciples. What I would like to know, and we're not going to know this, this side of heaven, is when did Jesus realize that this Passover that was celebrated for 1,200 years or more, when Jesus was on earth, when did Jesus realize that this Passover was all about him? I remember my, my son Kyle. I know Kyle's on my brain this morning. But uh, I remember when he was growing up, when he discovered his hand for the very first time. I mean, when he saw his hand and that, that hand was part of his body, his eyes became as big as saucers. And that, I control that. And it was the funniest thing to watch. He was 12 years old at the time when he figured that No. <laughs> Now, don't go texting him, okay? Because I know I'm going to hear about it this afternoon. But um, when did Jesus, what, what, when was it that Jesus discovered that this Passover was about? Jesus was the oldest child in his family. I'm sure at that point, some point, he was going with his father to the temple, selecting the lamb, watching that lamb, be slaughtered and realizing for the very first time I'm going to be that lamb. These are the things that I want us to see in this passage of scripture this morning that Jesus was eager to share with his disciples. Peter and John secured the place. They went and got the food. They had the lamb slaughtered. The lamb was being roasted. And Jesus is saying in this passage of scripture, I'm the Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Not only is Jesus the Passover lamb, but Jesus is the bread of affliction. At what point in Jesus' life growing up when, when the family broke the unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3. It's in your outline this morning. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread. The bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out 
of the land of Egypt. The bread of affliction is broken. And Jesus knows for the very first time, this is my body. I am going to be the bread of affliction. And he's teaching this to his disciples for the very first time. Not only is he the bread of affliction, but Jesus, the Bible says in verse uh, 20, he says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The cup of wine that the family would drink from, Jesus realized would one day be symbolized the blood that would be poured out, that would be sacrificed, shed for the new covenant. Jesus sees the fact that Jesus' blood will seal the new covenant promise. Jesus is describing to his disciples here in this passage of scripture, this old Passover is now passing away. And I want to introduce something new to you. And I am going to seal this new covenant, this, this new form of active worship of remembering with my blood. You know, whenever a, a covenant was made in the Old Testament, um, it required blood to seal that covenant. We are reminded of the old covenant that Moses made with the nation of Israel in Exodus chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, it's not in your outline this morning, but uh, Exodus chapter 24. The Bible says this in verse 3. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the, all the rules, talking about the law. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Look at verse 8. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. The old covenant was launched on a sea of blood. Well, Jesus is now introducing the new covenant. The covenant that Jeremiah talked about in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. This new covenant is going to be sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ and will require no more sacrifice because Jesus' blood is perfect. Jesus' blood is holy. Jesus' blood appeases the wrath of a holy and righteous God. No more covenant, no more sacrifice required. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, and I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the 
land of Egypt. My covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they all they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's the new covenant. And that's what Jesus is introducing in Luke chapter 22, the old covenant. People said, Oh, we're going to, we're going to obey all of his words. They couldn't obey it for a day. And they had to, they had to make a sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sin. And they had to do that, make a sacrifice on a regular basis because God could not forget their sin. He forgave, but he couldn't forget. But when Jesus sheds his life, symbolizing the new covenant, that Jeremiah, through God through Jeremiah has promised. This new covenant, God says, I will remember their sin no more. Folks, that's good news. And that's the promise that Jesus is conveying here. And not only is this supper totally about his life and what he's done, but this new Passover that Jesus is introducing is going to be eternal. Jesus says, verse 16, verse 18, verses 29 and 20, that this new covenant is not going to be fulfilled completely until my kingdom comes. There's coming a day, church, where the church... Israel, believing Israel, is going to celebrate with Jesus uh, in person this Passover. It's the wedding feast of the of the of the Lamb. Revelation chapter eleven, Revelation chapter nineteen. This is when the new covenant is going to be completely fulfilled, and until then. There's work to be done. But my friends, Jesus was anxious to share this with his disciples. And this is something that is to be repeated often. Until the Lord returns, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So I want us to prepare our hearts for the supper this morning. How can you prepare your heart? Embrace what the word says. Know, my friend, that Jesus knows all the details of your life. And just like he wanted the disciples to trust him, Peter and John, and going to Jerusalem, he wants you to trust him with the details of your life. Just as he was trusting the Father, 
Jesus is so calm in this passage of scripture, but the next 21 hours of his life are going to be horrendous. But he continued to trust the Father. He wants you to trust him as well. He knows your affliction. Are you being afflicted this morning? Jesus says, he is the bread of affliction. And he took our affliction upon himself. That we wouldn't have to experience it for all eternity. And yes, you may be going through affliction right now. But just know, it's temporary. Jesus is about to go through affliction. Jesus knows what he's facing in the next 21 hours. But what keeps Jesus going? Hope. Hope. Because he has you in mind, he has me in mind, and he's looking forward to the day when we're going to share the supper with him personally for all eternity. Yeah, the next next 21 hours are going to be really hard. But it's going to get a whole lot better after that. Your affliction may be longer than 21 hours but I'm sure it's not as horrendous as Jesus's was. And the Bible says it's temporary compared to eternity. Have hope. Hang in there. Jesus knows. And he's there for you. And then finally, and that's that's number four, partake of this supper in great hope this morning. Let's pray as we prepare. We're going to sing one song. Again, God wouldn't have us to take this in an unworthy manner. If you need to pray with someone this morning, preparing your heart for the supper, I want to encourage you to do that during this song, song portion of our service. But let's be obedient to what God is calling us to do. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this supper means. And that this new covenant that you have invited us to participate with you in is perfect. complete in you in trusting you in believing you we are completely forgiven and you don't remember our sin I remember my sin the accuser remembers my sin But I thank you, God, that you don't. Because your son took the affliction that I deserved upon himself. 
Father, we worship you. We pray that our hearts would be right before you. Hearts full of gratitude for Jesus, all that you've done for us. Be glorified. Encourage your children in this service this morning. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please?